Welcome to the Campania Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Sunday, September 25th, 2022. Coming right up, we're in the book of Genesis, and we're going to talk about the Garden of Eden today. And this answers the question, where are the dead? Where do people go when they pass on? Now, this is a great lesson. It's interesting. Make sure you watch to the end. To avoid un- misunderstanding. Now, first, please consider your part in the many member body of Christ. The Companion Chapel is a worldwide ministry, it is a registered nonprofit. Get involved today. Get in touch with me at companionchapel at gmail.com. I want to thank everybody for the donations so far. It's helped us get, or helped me get electricity. It's helping me get some shingles for the roof. Half the roof is shingled. That's the greatest thing because it leaked in about 425 different places. And now I'm saving up for some insulation. The last two winters have been brutal, it's been freezing cold. But please get in touch with me at companionchapel at gmail.com and the Companion Chapel Homesteading Community is available for you. Companion Chapel Homesteading Community at number 338, Side Road 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada, N0G2N0. Thank you for people that send the checks, even the $10 checks and the $20 checks. I just need the basic necessities of life. Everything else goes into this nonprofit to help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. And that's your call to action. I want to thank you very much, everybody. Now, let's get into Genesis. We're in the book of Genesis and we're doing the keywords because the book of Genesis, the first couple pages, sets up the whole Bible for you for understanding. And these keywords, not in the English, but in the original Hebrew language run threads through the Bible that create a glossary for interpretation. Always interpret inside the Bible. The Bible interprets itself for your understanding, for your comfort, for your certainty. So you know what's going on today in the here and now. Jesus Christ told us all things. He is the living word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. He's your teacher, your master, your rabbi, your wonderful counselor, his Holy Spirit is your comforter. Now, where are the dead and what's up with this Garden of Eden? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, as we're working our way through the key words, and I'm going to stop on Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, I meant to say, because this morning when I woke up, I just felt like reading, and I read the book of Ecclesiastes, and I did get a few questions lately, which I really enjoy, if you send them to my email, about did Adam and Eve get back to the Garden of Eden? The answer, flat out, is no. And where are the dead? Where do dead people go? Where do we go when we pass on? Do we end up languishing in some limbo land, like in a cemetery somewhere? No, man. No. Let's get into this. Okay. Genesis 2, verse 8. But first off, Always remember, God carries out and accomplishes performances beyond our current understanding of physics. Like mankind has come up with a volume of knowledge that society has deemed fit for learning. But that volume of knowledge is not even a drop in the bucket. When I was reading Ecclesiastes this morning, and it said there's nothing new under the sun, what God is trying to tell us through Solomon is that God's technology makes our technology look like two tin cans with a piece of string tied to it. I can guarantee you it's beyond God's technologies are beyond our current understanding and perception of physics. But this really helps you clear it up. Okay, I'll read the verse here. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man, Eth-ha-adam, who he had formed, who he had purposed. 
Okay, so planted here is nata in the Hebrew. It's a verb. It means established. Garden is kan in the Hebrew, and it means an enclosure or a protected place. And formed means purposed. He purposed this very man, Adam, not sixth-day mankind. We're in the eighth day here because we have a benchmark timestamp of 4005 BC. And we have for Adam and Eve, the man Adam, at Adam. Now, day six man was more than 2,500 years before Adam and Eve. And the benchmark timestamp for day six man is all the stuff they leave laying around. Mankind builds stuff and leaves stuff laying around. Historical tablets, monuments, uh, ruins that are, ru- that are tourist attraction now, the Sphinx, Sphinx, and the pyramids are clearly more than 6,000 years old. We know that. And we know six-day man was tripping around for quite some time before Adam and Eve came on the scene. And the Bible says so, and science has helped us confirm that. So throughout the manuscripts, now this is why we came here, the Garden of God, and where are the dead? Throughout the manuscripts, the Garden of God, Eden, and Paradise are grammatical parallels in reference to the same place. Eden means luxurious paradise. In Ezekiel chapter 28, Ezekiel chapter 28 will tie all that together for you for understanding and will also de facto tell you who is there in no uncertain terms. The glossary thread that runs through the Bible in reference to Eden, the garden of God, the paradise of God, is extensive. And now I'm going to give you part of this thread. Here's part of the thread. Paradise of God is always used in scripture of a definite place. It is described in Genesis chapter 2, which we've gone through. It is lost in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 13, God lets us know he destroyed it. It's no longer available to flesh humans ever. Just in case you thought otherwise. Now, what's prompted a lot of this is I got a visit from the Jehovah's Witness lately and I pray for these people. They were willingly ignorant of the word of God to adhere to some doctrine. They've been indoctrinated with this cultish thing. They've taken an English translation off an English translation, which makes no sense. And we're going to... Now, just keep that in mind because they think that we're going to all be gardeners in the eternity. And I'll comment on that later and how that goes against the word of God in so many ways. But Genesis chapter 13, God lets us know he destroyed the Garden of Eden. It's no longer available for humans. Luke chapter 23, our Lord Jesus Christ speaks of its restoration. Apostle Paul got to check it out in a vision, but was bound not to talk about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, Johnny, in Revelation chapter 10, same deal. Don't talk about it, Johnny. Don't write it down. Paradise of God is promised to overcomers. Revelation 2.17, that's very comforting. And the paradise of God is restored in Revelation chapter 22. Now, what we're going to talk about here, and of course I was prompted by the visit from the Jehovah's Witness, who think we're coming back in these nagging nuisance flesh bodies, like as if. Um, where, the, where are the dead? And we're going to tie this in with the Garden of God and with, it, with this Genesis chapter 2 verse 8. Okay, Genesis 3.19. Right, right, the first page of your Bible, Jehovah Witness, dude. 
For dust art thou, and dust shall thou return. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Thank God, who wants these flesh bodies any longer anyway? Okay, dust is afar in the Hebrew. Dust of the earth. It's the material of the human body, the fragile human body. So let's go to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes which koholith in the Hebrew means the assembler. Ecclesiastes, the teacher. Subject, Ecclesiastes 12.7. When the flesh body dies, then shall the dust return to the ground as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. The spirit of free will. You will be judged and promoted accordingly. We read about that in the Psalms. Promoted doesn't necessarily mean to a good place. You get promoted by what you, you write your own sentence where you get promoted. And it's heaven or hell. There's no in between. There's no purgatory. There's no limbo. There's no greasy lawyers there negotiating for you. Yay means yay and nay means nay. How refreshing is that? Especially today. In these times. Okay, number 1622. God is the God of the spirits of all flesh. Numbers 2716. Yahweh, the God of spirits of all flesh. In Luke chapter 23, 46, Jesus Christ on his last breath in the flesh, Father, into thy hands I entrust my spirit. Okay, we didn't get Christ's body. No one could take that. Like God took Christ's body, took Moses' body, took Elijah's body, and took Enoch's body, okay, for a reason. Okay, but all of us, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Acts 7.59, when Stephen was getting murdered, he cried out, Lord, receive my spirit. Forget about the body. Fear not, fear not those that can kill the body. Fear those that can kill the soul. And the soul is fueled by the intellect of it. That's your spirit. We'll talk about more about that in a minute. Okay, Hebrews 12.9, here we are to submit with an unquestioned obedience to our Father of spirits for eternal life. God is the creator of his whole human family. One third fell and followed adverse ideologies that were not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, the paradise of God. Your soul is what you are. Remember in the book of Jeremiah, God owns all souls. Your spirit is who you are. That's your personality. That's your character. That's your reactive attitude that motivates all actions. Your spirit is the intellect of your soul. So 1 Corinthians one twenty nine, No flesh shall glory in God's presence. This word glory means rejoice. No flesh shall rejoice in God's presence. There was a time when we all sang for joy. For God's glory, for his joy, for his pleasure. Job 38. Revelation 12, four, one third of us followed Satan. It's just mortifying to think. Just mortifying. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't have to come down here. He didn't have to, he didn't have to manifest a little lower than the angels and walk amongst us. To be our teacher, our master, our rabbi, our savior, our deliverer, our redeemer, and our kinsman redeemer of the whole family. He didn't have to suffer like that for us. Satan mopped the floor with him. There's no doubt about it. Jesus Christ was not guilty. He was innocent. He took the lowest earthly position for you, for me. 
He suffered for us and because of us, for me and because of me. Same for you. And that should be extremely humbling. He didn't have to do that. But Satan's got nothing on him, as it says in the book of John. Satan, you got nothing on me. No guile, no mouse, no corruption was found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that could walk in the flesh and say that. And when his blood spilt, when he suffered like that, and he went back to the spiritual world, it gave him the universal right to set up a kingdom of heaven that will not accommodate evil. It's universally bona fide, legit, and it's waiting for you. That is your inheritance. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. This means partake. You go back in your spiritual body. The spiritual body is an energy. We're stuck in these flesh bodies, reduced and restricted. Born once, innocent of woman. We pass through the matrix once. So we can come to terms with what's inside of us that is not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. The garden of God. The paradise of God. You are either in your flesh body, as it's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's us in the here and now. It's our time for correction. We're living on borrowed time. Don't waste your time. You serve God now. Or you're in your spiritual body. And by the time you get back to your spiritual body, everything you've done now is on the record. And you're not going to be able to negotiate with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't say to the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, you don't know what it was like because he walked it. And he suffered way more temptations than any of us could even comprehend what Jesus Christ did was the most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension that was Calvary at the cross where prophecy became in accordance with the word of God in accordance with reality Jesus Christ wants his children back and I've dedicated my life to trying to serve all my brothers and sisters so we can all sing for joy, for the glory of God, for his joy, for his pleasure. He made us all for his pleasure. The last verse, Revelation chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Lord is spirit. John 4, 24. God is spirit. It's not flesh. Flesh is done. God put us in the flesh and he repented from it. That means not change a heart when it comes to God. God can't repent. When God repents, it means he sighed with disappointment. This is the only way to rid the world of evil, to get it out of you. It's your free will choice. You can either nurse it along and let it kill you. It will kill you. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. Remember Lazarus chapter 16, Lazarus and the rich man, you go somewhere when you die. And that's all there is to it. Instantly, you're with the Father as it's written, that we just went over. I'm going to read Luke cha or Revelation chapter 7. Now, usually I get choked up when I do this, but I'm going to try and do this without getting choked up. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You will hunger no more. You will thirst no more. Neither will the sun blast on you anymore or any heat. So to you, Jehovah's Witnesses, you think that we're going to be out there gardening... There's no garden shed in the paradise of God. 
Like if 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 we were in heaven, if I was in heaven, I'll just use myself for an example, and I'm sitting in a lawn chair and just in in paradise. And then somebody came up to me and said, Hey Michael, go to that garden shed over there and make friends with the shovel. I was like, what that's incomprehensible to me. That's not paradise. How do we get fed? We're in the spirit. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. For the Lamb, that's our Lord Jesus Christ, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed us and lead us to the living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears. Yeah, there's no garden shed in the paradise of God. We go somewhere when we die, and it all hinges on what we do now. God is not judging what happens to you. God is judging what you do. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and please stay tuned for when we get to... We're going into the book of Genesis now. We're going to be talking about trees, and you'd have to be totally naive to think when we're talking about the trees that it's like a tree in your front yard. We'll cover that. We'll cover the keywords right down to the etymology of the words. Easy to understand, enjoyable to follow along. And I'm telling you now, I am not going to sugarcoat what happened in the garden. I want to thank you very much for watching. Stay tuned for the next one. We're going to go over the word trees and serpents. Satan, adult devil, the serpent. The Bible translates itself. This is easy. It may be on your current understanding of physics, but get over it. As far as the affairs of time and and far as the things of the universe are concerned, we barely know nothing. But Jesus Christ told us all things that are relevant to us now. He wants his children back. I want to thank you very much for watching. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. In the least, just press subscribe. Hit the notification bell. And the other thing, I forget what it is. Because I'm just getting back into uh, trying to learn how to do iMovie and YouTube. If you can help out whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-remembered body of Christ. Be somebody. Your call to action is to get involved with this church today. I can teach this whole book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, in its simplicity. That's a gift from God. That's not me. God's allowing me to do this. He's allowed me wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and strength. If you can help out with the basic necessities of life, that's the greatest thing. Go to companionchapel.com and whatever you can give, even the smallest amount, just goes into trying to make this a church, your church. You can come be part of the Companion Chapel homesteading community. One trailer showed up so far. 77 acres of the most gorgeous land. Food and security will stop here. The ridiculous price of housing and food stops here. Get involved. This is God's land. God allowed it to me. Yeah, on a civil piece of paper, belongs to me. But God allowed me. He says, Michael, assemble yourselves. As it's written in Isaiah chapter 45. Assemble yourselves. We know what Satan's billionaires are up to. They have a legitimate, valid plan. I have to be very careful on YouTube, not to mention any names. Study their plan. Study what happens in those uh, world economic forms. It's a fascinating argument. It's valid. It's legit. A total absence of humanity as it's written. I'm trying to get through the first couple chapters of the book of Genesis because the key words there help us understand the book of Revelation. That's why I stopped at Revelation 3.9. 
the greatest thread that runs through the Bible that tells us everything that's going on today starts in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 and it gets explained in infinite detail in the book of Revelation. I stopped at Revelation chapter 3, 9. I want to thank you very much for watching. Listen, have yourself a great day and if you can help with these broadcasts simply by promoting them whatever God-given talent you have. God expects you to use it in the many-member body of Christ. I just blindly upload these. If you can help get them out there, whatever you can do in the field of technology because I really struggle with iMovie. I struggle with YouTube. And it's also on podcasts. Don't forget, I've done hundreds of podcasts. Just punch in in your Google search bar, Companion Chapel Podcast, and enjoy. I want to thank you very much for watching. Have yourself a great day, and bye for now.